podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, it's Friday night, about uh, 10 or 15 minutes after the final whistle at Bramall Lane as we record this after Forrest drew 1-1 against Sheffield United to leave them in eighth in the championship, two points off the playoffs and crucially not five points behind Sheffield United. If the Blades had hang on to have won that game after Billy Sharp gave them a lead uh, after Forrest missed a hatful of chances and we'll get into all that and more in the company of myself with Michael Temple. Templer, are you well? Evening, Matt. All good, thank you. Good, 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 good. Uh, <laughs> That was a funny old game, wasn't it? Well, just give us your overall emotions before we break it all down. Well, it's two points dropped because of the incessant pressure that we put Sheffield United under. And there's lingering shot on uh, Billy Sharp after the game there, and he's almost in tears on the on the bench. But I think even he knew that if they had have held on to that lead, it would have been the wrong result. It would have been absolute abject robbery, given the... Um, the fact they were forced to camp in their own half for long periods. We looked by far the better team, made all the running um, first half. So, yeah, we'll get into detail, as you say, but that is two points dropped for Forrest. So, I suppose there's two camps on this, aren't there? You dominate a game and you're either really unlucky to get hit with a sucker punch or you get what you deserve for not being able to convert all your opportunities. I kind of know which camp I'm in, but I'll let you go first. Where where do you stand on it? Yeah, we um, well, we, we we missed the penalty, didn't we? Which was the the best chance of the of the game, obviously, first half. Um, Garner's delivery meant we weren't able to convert that pressure and those first half corners into any uh, meaningful chances. So. Yeah, look, Forest have, have won a lot of games this season by being relatively compact um, in, the, in the first half, more adventurous in the second half, and the, the legs and pace out wide have, have told. So I wasn't concerned when we turned around nil-nil, despite having uh, not capitalised on the dominance in the, in the first half. Um, but yeah, I was, I was demoralised when they scored and subsequently elated when um, Yatesy bagged that equaliser late on. But um yeah, we were wasteful, but I still, I, when we turned around, I still thought we'd go on and win the game. Yeah, I suppose what frustrated me, we'll come on to the penalty, and it wasn't really the penalty. I think probably they turned, Sheffield United turned the ball over to us quite needlessly quite a lot of time. I know Forrest Press was really good, a bit like Preston did to Forrest the other week, but I think ruthless teams probably turn one of those opportunities into chances and you take them. And that was what frustrated me in, in the first half. And then obviously, Billy Sharp's ice cold, and we'll come on to that. Um, people watching on YouTube, we're live on YouTube. If you drop stuff in the comments, uh, we'll be kind of as interactive as we can tonight, and we'll talk about a few things. Um, where shall we start then? You mentioned the starts of the game. Forest have been quite lax in starts, haven't they? Like, I think of Cardiff away, Borough away, Preston to an extent, but they were really good from the start here. It was just like you say, Garner's corners. You had seven, they had seven corners in the first 20 minutes, I think. And I think was one good out of that. I suppose he's he's normally very reliable, isn't he? But it was a, a point of frustration tonight that he wasn't quite on it until the, the 95th minute. Yeah, I get the sense that him and Colback have been locked in a bit of a battle, both wanting to take the um, set pieces. And a couple of the deliveries that Colback had had real quality on them. And obviously, it gives you a slightly different option with the, the left peg. But um, yeah, Garner is... That, that's his brief, isn't he? he? He's busy, he's box to box, and you know he's going to... Um, have that whip, that pace, and usually that accuracy with the set pieces, but it wasn't um, quite there 
today, but they did set a stall out, Matt. And that the first five, six minutes, as, as you say, having been slow starters, I think we could we, we shocked Sheffield United early on. And we kind of tempered the adventure of their midfield, um, nullified Gibbs White a lot, who had uh, quite a big build-up before the before the game. Um, so yeah, I, was, I think that one real positive um, was the manner in which we threw out the blocks in the first ten minutes. There was obviously the penalty, but before that, I mean, there really should have been a, a penalty for the shirt pull on Keenan Davis, shouldn't there? I mean, how does the ref miss that? Keenan was sandwiched between two players, wasn't he? And I think he gets penalised because he's so physically dominant and he's kind of very, very technical in the sense of you know where he puts his weight as he's you know waiting underneath a goal kick or if he's being poised to challenge in the air or receive a ball to feet. He's a very, very technically gifted player. I think that's um, sometimes written off as being you know strong or athletic. There's, there's far more at play with what Keenan Davis is doing to be so successful in duels and challenges as often as he is. I don't know how the ref has missed that first shout. Keenan's kind of sandwiched between two players, isn't he? And there's there's mm-hmm. arms and legs everywhere. So I wonder if the referee was unsighted because it was a clear penalty from the angle that we we saw. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that in more detail, but I thought Keenan was exceptional tonight and uh, deserved, deserved the penalty for his, for his endeavours. Yeah, he was tremendous, wasn't he? I mean, I think I've kind of put on... Twitter, I think, is was tonight a night where you miss miss grabbing to get on the end of some of Keenan's good work, perhaps, do you think? You, well, yeah, you do for that kind of one-touch finish and being in the right place at the right time to to, to tap home. But he's a completely different type of player, isn't he? I, I really can't think, I'm struggling to think of a player, a, a striker, who's better with their back to goal than Keenan Davis has been for Forest this season. I'm probably thinking back to Collymore in terms of people that have worn a worn a forest shirt. I just think he's he's almost impossible to to mark. You you try to clobber him, he's stronger than you. He's not going to go down. You try to get round him, he's going to roll you. He's got that deafness of touch, that Cruyff turn between um, two defenders um, was a, a a real positive example of that. But yeah, what a what a quality all round player. And the one thing he lacks is perhaps what Graben has got which is that deft touch and that deadly finish, ruthless streak, should we say, in, in front of goal. So we come on to the penalty then for, for Forrest. Oh, Don Goodman seems to be making his best case that it really was a penalty. He was really trying to make the case that it wasn't. I mean, I thought it was a nailed-on penalty, wasn't it? It was a penalty, wasn't it? And uh, Dawson and uh, Joby in the Sky Studio both concurred at... Um, at half time, the moment is where his knee clatters the back of Jed's knee. That's a foul. He's got past him. He's, he's very intelligently stepped across him. He's he's torn him inside out. If you watch that that passage of play, and he's won the penalty. Um, there's there's no question, no doubt for me. That was a stonewall penalty, uh, and another example of why Jed Spence will probably be playing in the top half of the Premier League, if not, you know, some spot in, in Europe next season, what a player. Uh, there's a comment from Silverware, whose avatar on YouTube looks like it might be a topless woman, so I'm reluctant to put it on. <laughs> so I'll just read the comment out in case it is. It says, poor penalty, chasing the game after got to be relieved to get a point. And uh, another fan false flag says, really important we didn't lose tonight. Deserve to win, but happy with the point. What did you make of the penalty? Was it that bad? Or do they look really bad when you when the keeper stands up to them? I think the first time you do it, he did the same penalty against Stoke, didn't he? About the same the same run up Blackburn, and pretty yeah. much pretty much Blackburn, sorry, and pretty much placed it in the same 
spot. But if if the keeper's done any kind of research, he knows he stands his ground and uh, and, and and catches that as uh, as Fodderingham did. So no, I think the the best way to take a penalty is to find a corner and then go side foot with pace. You've got to have more variation than Brennan has shown in his last. Uh, two penalties, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was taken off the next game. It was a poor, poor penalty. Yeah, I mean, Fodringham, I think this one's guy saved two out of his last three, and I had a look, and he saved 11 out of 38 penalties he's faced. So he obviously does his homework, and he's a good good shot stopper. Joby McEnough made a good point, didn't he, I think, about the penalty. There wasn't much disguise, was there? It kind of looks a bit obvious what he was having. I think his dad's tweeted afterwards he'll learn from that, and you don't want to dig Brennan out because he's been so good, but it is one he has to learn from, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, of course he does. He needs more variation. You can't take the same penalty um, twice in two in the in the championship because, as you say, keepers are wise to it. I, I wasn't aware of Fodringham's um, exemplary record in saving penalties, but I was impressed with him tonight. He seemed really confident coming for corners. Um, he had a couple of instinctive um, saves to make at short range. And yeah, most keepers do dive, don't they? Um, mm. for, for, for a penalty, they, they try and sneak off the line and, and make a guess. So um, yeah, he, he'd either done his research, read Brennan's eyes, uh, a combination of the two, or he's just uh, yeah, a, a, a solid championship keeper. And he, he certainly looked like one tonight. I think he frustrated us a little bit. So we get to half time, and I put in the WhatsApp group: Sheffield United one 0 Ghana sent off. And you, you because the way Forest has been dominating, you replied you fancied Forest still. So they did start the second half well, didn't they? You were you were no doubt that Forest were going to go on to win the game at that point. Yeah, because I think that's Cooper's plan A. Is he's made us really solid at the back, built a solid foundation, and if there's three players that are easier to pick every week than. Worrell, uh, McKenna and Cook, then I'd, I'd like to like to know who they are. From that from that base, we then overwhelm them with the manner in which Spence in particular can you know do the work of two players. Um, we've got lively attacking talent in and around the box. And once they're tired and frustrated and they, they start to open up, we just overwhelm them with with pace and energy. So that's but that's why I wasn't concerned. That's the, the pattern in which we've won a lot of games this this season. So, no, it was no, no concern for me. And then, as you say, we came out and started um, in the manner in which we played most of the most of the first half and, and still still look to be in control. And uh, cruising is probably the wrong word. Um, but, yeah, seemed seem to be the, the the dominant force in the match. Uh, Silver Avatar update. It's not a topless woman. It's Conan the Barbarian. They're very small on my screen in the comments section, so I can't <laughs> see. So, there you go. Um uh, next? Oh, Cook hits the bar, doesn't he? And then Zinkenagel has that shot charged down and he sprints 60, 70 yards and gets back a brilliant tackle. I didn't think he was at his best tonight, Zinkenagel, but I guess that shows two things, doesn't it? I mean, I know, Forrest a bit unlucky off the corner, but also that work rate and the commitment. I thought you know, that was exemplary from Forrest tonight, wasn't it? That defensively, they were they were really good. Yeah, Zink, Zink had a funny game. See, he, he did what he always does, had some... Tidy touches around the box. There's times when he doesn't overplay, when he just lays the ball off. But what you need from your luxury player is quality at the moment he has a sight on goal. And once he'd skipped past the, the centre-half and he was he was forced wide left, wasn't he? And he had the chance to either hit the target test the keeper or square it for a, a Brennan tap-in. And he decided to put his laces for it and it, it hit, the, hit the side netting. And that, that's, not, that's not good enough. 
when your role in a game is to try and be a game breaker and have you know those one or two opportunities to break the game um you, you have to you have to take ad- advantage of that and yeah i mean look fair play he he um he he, he covered so much ground to um to, to track back and make that um saving challenge that was that was vital and that was his moment in the game but that's not what he's in the team for you just wish he'd shown a little bit more composure um in, in and around goal and that's probably why he's been loaned from the the premier league to the to the championship i like him i think he's been a really good player to um have around this season um but yeah i can i'm kind of seeing why watford were perhaps willing to um let him let him drop down a league for the, for this season Hmm. Yeah, I can see why, because his, his record with Bodo Glimt in Norway was exemplary, but you can kind of see why, can't you? I mean, the, I don't see a lot of Norwegian football, but I get the sense he's probably getting more than one or two chances a game and he's good enough to do something with four or five, but he can be a bit frustrating with one or two, as you say. Um, yeah, good player. I don't want to sound like I'm digging him out, because I don't think I am. I just, I just, I'm just trying to make that point that you know, in in the Premier League, with with half a chance, you've got to do something with it. And you know, you can see he's frustrated with himself, but you just want that little bit more from him. Um, and yeah, you'd, you'd you'd back him to go and make a, make an impact in a in a top top division. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, he did well against Leicester, didn't he? He was really good in that game, and he was really good against. Was he really good against Arsenal? I think he was. But then there's just games like you say where, I mean, Cardiff away is the worst example, but no one was good there. But yeah, he's not quite... He can be a little frustrating, but he's a good player. Um, Sheffield United take the lead. I mean, we were talking about, you know, grabbing and finishers and there's none better than Billy Sharp. I thought he was tremendous tonight, wasn't he? That thing, he kept getting free kicks off Worrell and there wasn't much Worrell could do because he either fouls him or Sharp pings it off to a teammate and Sheffield United... I mean, he's not very big, but he, he was their out ball and waffling. He was really good and it was a great finish, wasn't it? He had. He seemed like there was a bit of needle with him and Worrell, didn't it? They seemed to be getting into that tussle from the start. And if it was just them both embracing the battle, um, or you know, something's been said in a previous game, I'm uh, I'm not sure. But they definitely seemed to be up for the up for the scrap. But yeah, look, watching him, I, look, I looked up his record: 245 league goals in 586 appearances. That's a hell of a career. Um, and he's you know bitted and bobbed around. He had a decent season at, at, at Forest, didn't he? On uh, on on loan. Um, but yeah, dis- despite his age, he showed that um, you know when you, even when you lose that that top end pace and the, the sharpness, there's still a kind of a knowledge of where to be at the right time. And the quality on that finish was um, was, was there, wasn't it? It was a, a really really um, impressive piece of movement for him to ghost away from Worrell, get inside Jed Spence. What a what a cross has to be said. And uh, and yeah, he found he found the finish um, completely against the run of play. Um, but yeah, that's that's what that's what top championship strikers um, do, and that's why he's still um, you know very much in that side at the age that he is. That was probably the first point in the game for us. Lost their way a bit, wasn't it? And then I suppose we should give a word to Horvath because he did make a couple of big saves. And if the second one goes in, it's game over. What have you made of Horvath? There's a question that comes from, let me just find it, from Lee, uh, who I used to work with, who's a friend of mine, about Monday, who misses out on, uh, who plays in goal. I still lean towards Samba. What do you think? Yes, Samba will come back into the team. 
Um, I think Horvath has shown that he's a competent shot stopper. But the one thing he really struggles with is is being a footballer. And what I mean by that is, you know, ball at his feet. He seems a little bit nervous, a little bit hurried. And I know at times um, Forest fans get a bit frustrated with Samba when he doesn't distribute quickly or he, he decides not to take an easy option and, and goes for something with a bit more bit more flair. Um, there was an example today where Horvath has just launched a crossfield ball at McKenna's neck. And he's had to jump up and chest a ball in a situation where there was no pressure. He's almost, you know, bored a bit upon us. So I think he's um, he's handled himself very, very well in the last three games. Two clean sheets and the and and, and the, um, the performance tonight, which was solid. But what Samba has that he doesn't is an ability with a ball at his feet to launch attacks, to find a pass that Horvath wouldn't find, and this this kind of um, yeah, unflappable nature in, in possession. And I think that Sam will definitely have learned from his, you know, his hot-headedness um, off the back of this this ban. Uh, hopefully, yeah, take himself down the gear in those kind of heat of the battle moments um, and, and pick up the form that he's, that he's shown throughout the season. Because for me, Sam is the better keeper and we'll be back in the side on Monday. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I agree. I think Horvath... He's very competent, wasn't he? But he lacks a swagger. And I think a goalie needs a bit of a, bit of a swagger. I suppose Samba, he sort of projects chaos and calm in, at the same time. So there's always stuff going off around him. But at the same time, I think the defenders know that if they need him to come and get a ball or, like you say, ping one out 60 yards to them, he's probably going to get it right more often than Horvath is. When the ball goes back into Horvath to kick it out, I don't know if it's kind of flashbacks that Middlesbrough goal and maybe he's not as bad as he looks with the ball at his feet. But I do get a bit nervous and think, you know, this could have end up anywhere. So like you say, I think he's done a good job. But Sam was the better goalie. And it'll be interesting where that leaves Horvath in the summer as he's linked with a return to America and it might kind of make sense. We're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but he signed a three-year contract. He's not going to want to spend three years as a number two, but... To me, Samba's the, be- the better option and I think he'll come back in on Monday for sure. Um, let's just finish on this game then uh, with Forrest. They kept going to the end. They get a goal through Yates. He's, he's, he gets in those areas, doesn't he? I think David Johnson was on saying he can be a 10-goal-a-season man. I don't know how many he's got now. I'll have a look while you answer this, but he's having a good season, isn't he? Yeah, I was fascinated when uh, Jono said that last week because he's watched Yates come through the age groups, obviously, but I think that can become part of his game. He does, he does get into the box. He is a threat from corners. Um, I would say he probably benefits from the fact that Chef United's best markers, anyone's best markers, are going to try and do a man-to-man job on uh, Cook, McKenna, and Worrell. So Yates probably goes a little bit um, unnoticed in and amongst those those three. But there's so many weapons that Forrest can send forward for, for corners. And that's not the first time that Yates um done that. So, yeah, I, I agree with Jono, actually. I think Yatesy, as even as a box-to-box midfielder with great all-round qualities, puts a shift in, wins his heads and tackles, um, you know, good pass with the ball, he he does pop up with his fair share of goals and he, yeah, he may, maybe he could um, add a few more to his, to his tally. But, um, yeah, great. That was a good delivery from Ghana, and it was uh, a really, really well placed header down into the corner um, to get Forrest the the point that they more than deserved. 
so yeah, I had a quick look. It's five for the season and three in eight. So he's having a, you know, for a centre midfielder, if he can get to eight goals or something for the season, I mean, that's a, a good return. You mentioned there the point Forrest deserves. Yeah, how's this one going to be remembered then? Do you think it's a point gained more than two dropped? Or are you, I think you said this at the start, you think it was two points dropped overall? Yeah, it was two points dropped overall. I think we'd have we we back ourselves to win a game in which we had the, the superior chances to to, to that extent. Um, but psychologically massive keeps us in touch with the top six. We're two points behind Sheffield United, um, who are in sixth with with fifty four. Um, we'd have been well. What would we have been? We'd have been five points behind Sheffield United and Q, and, and QPR if we'd have we'd have lost that game. So. Um, yeah, it was vital. I didn't like their sporting tactics, their their delaying tactics. It reminded me of us under Billy Davis, the way that Sharp, you know, jogged back to the middle of the pitch um, only to walk off, having been told he's being subbed. McBurney trying to place the free kick, which we were trying to take quickly back in the, the corner spot. Um, the non-existent shoulder injury that the keeper claimed to have when he went down with <laughs> no pressure. I'm that, gonna that some, when you finish, yeah. some top, some top-notch time wasting from Sheffield United, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad that it bit them. Fotheringham's shoulder injury is absolutely ridiculous. At one point, he's down, he's holding his shoulder, and he's going, "No, no." He goes, "No, I'm." Looks like, "No, I'm done." And then, literally, the camera's on him. He's pointing to his with the same shoulder, like ridiculous. Good gamesmanship, I suppose. If, he conned the ref, though, Matt. He, he, he get he get five minutes added. Mm. I, I thought by that point they were probably comfortably five or six minutes added, and then that happened, and then all the stuff with McBurney. Fair play, got a got a yellow card for, for what he was trying to do, but there should have been at least seven minutes added there, particularly when it was like such obvious time wasting. You're supposed mm. to add the seconds anyway for the for the substitutions. So yeah, I think the um, when when the board went up, I thought we were a bit short changed, but yeah, glad it glad it didn't matter in the end. Yeah, they might have nicked it. They might have nicked it. Let's look briefly at Monday night. I suppose the main thing now, obviously Huddersfield played tonight and won, and they were clinical. Well, I, the main topic will be team selection now. There were some tired-looking bodies there. I assume Max Lowe comes back in. Um, who's missing out out of the, those midfielders? Zink and Eagle, Colback, Yates, Garner. I'm guessing one of them is going to miss out. Who's missing out for you? Yeah, he's got a decision to make there, hasn't he? Because Lowe definitely comes back into that side. I think he goes unchanged with the three centre-halves. Um, Jed plays, Keenan has to play. So the, the selection dilemma is is those in the middle. I wonder if, if Garner needs to come out of the spotlight for a game. Um, I feel that Yates and um, Colback centre-mid is the firmest possible foundation you can have to get around the park, to screen the back three and to, to contribute to everything that we, we tried to, to do. Um, we, we saw that something was missing um, when, when Yatesy was um, left out a couple of weeks ago. So I, I just wonder if the change is low in for Ghana uh, with Colback coming back into the, to the middle. I think, to me, it's a choice between Colback and Zinkenagel, probably. I think Zinkenagel likes the big stage. It's on TV. I'd be tempted to play him. Colback looked a bit shattered to me uh, after an hour. And I just wonder whether you benefit from the energy. I certainly agree. I think Yates has to start. Like you said, I think they missed something. 
it's a bit of an intangible sometimes, isn't it? Because he wasn't all over the pitch tonight, but he's quite a calming influence. So I think maybe Colbert misses out and he'd be a, a bit unlucky of shuffling out of the midfield and then losing his place. But I think that's probably the one. There's an interesting question about Richie Larea. He wasn't even on the bench tonight. I mean, maybe that'll be, as we're recording this, I imagine Cooper's doing his press, so maybe that'll get asked. But I would have wondered, wonder where he is. Do, do, were you surprised he wasn't on the bench tonight unless he's injured? Um, I'm not surprised in the sense that um, Steve Cooper sees his players far more than we do, and you know yeah. we, we we judge them on the 90 minutes or a, or a, or a cameo appearance from the from the bench. So I've learned to trust every decision that Cooper's made. Um, I, I, was, I had a brief conversation with him a couple of weeks ago, and you hear from people that are close to him, and the biggest takeaway is that he. He gets it. He he feels he, he sees the performances that we see. He has the same selection dilemmas going off in his in his head. He praises the things that we enjoy. So I I, I trust his judgment implicitly. And if Larea's fit and well and and left out, it's because he thinks Colback's by far the better option. And you know what? I'm with him. Like as, as Colback put a foot wrong on the left hand side this season, I, I I can't think of a a moment he got when he got in one game. I did, yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> yeah apart from, from that, that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 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 I do understand it, and I, I do trust Cooper, um, and yeah, ultimately, I think he's probably probably got the decision right. So that will lead to the question as well. You know, what's what's Loria here for? He won't be the first person to uh, to to sign and disappear quietly if his if his face doesn't fit or if he's not putting the odds in in training or whatever that reason might be. But whatever that reason is, I I, I trust Cooper for the conclusion that he draws. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he might be one that we see next season. I, I don't know, but it was interesting, wasn't it? Because you've got Mighton and Lolly both getting back on the pitch tonight. You wondered if Lolly might be done, but. There are options there, aren't there now, from the bench? You know, Forrest can chase games, as we saw tonight, can't they? Yeah, again, I think we had this conversation really early in the season about them being saturated with options in, in a certain part of the pitch. And it's the it's the wide man and it's the kind of yeah, attacking midfielder, in a sense, because Mighton and Lolly, with a, with a, run, of, with a, run, with a run of games and a, and a demonstration of form, um, could yet get back into that side. But the manner in which the selections have, have gone over recent weeks and the results that we've delivered, we feel we've all got a bit of a, a handle on the, the, the best 11. And we have this ongoing debate around the three that you're going to choose centre mid. So there isn't really any kind of scramble to get Mighton um, and Lolly back into the starting 11 because you'd also identify them as um, great lads to bring on with, with 20 minutes to go. A sense that Lolly's fallen down the pecking order, fallen out of favour, um, fallen away slightly from that form that he showed um, in the season when he was at his very best. But I'd, I'd love nothing more than for him to, to recapture that. And Mighton still has, um, yeah, like um, unbridled potential, doesn't he? So, yeah, there's some depth there, which is which is good to see. Um, once again, the bit of depth we're probably missing is, is centre-forward. Um, you, you'd be concerned about what would happen if, if Davis wasn't available and couldn't give you at least 80 minutes in a game. But apart from that, all the way around the park, I feel we've got um, yeah, nice settled side and reasonable cover. So how are you feeling about Monday then? We'll finish on that. I mean, Huddersfield, they've gone second. Admittedly, Bournemouth have got five games in hand while their stadium's rebuilt. But um, they're going pretty well, aren't they, Huddersfield? It's not, not going to be 
an easy game. I hope not Forest fans aren't assuming, you know, they're going to be playing Liverpool in the next round yet, are they? No, there's lots of talk about Liverpool, isn't there? I was um, we were having a good conversation at work today about you know what what our plans are going to be for 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 that game, and we had to remind each other we're we're not we're not in that game yet. And Huddersfield are no pushovers; they've breezed Peterborough side you know, tonight, which you probably don't read too much into. But they're second in the championship. Um, you know, Ward's banged a few in, but you know beneath that they haven't really got anyone that's. Um, an out-and-out goal threat, very similar to us in the sense they expect all of their midfielders to uh, to, to, to chip in. Um, but it'll be no easy test. You know, th- uh, three days on from us both having a uh, uh, an important league game. Um, there's bound to be changes, knocks, potentially one or two surprises, uh, maybe managers considering um, if they can lay out a full-strength team or if they are going to treat this game as an opportunity to try something or or rest one or two. So I don't think Forest will take them lightly um, because they can't. You know, Huddersfield command respect for where they find themselves, the results they've had um, recently. But what a prize that is, Mark. I would love to watch Forest v Liverpool at the city ground um, in a quarterfinal of the FA Cup. And yeah, we've got to beat Huddersfield to get there. So the the, the motivation is um, is surely there to to do it. What do you think? Do you think they'll, there could be some rotation on both parts or do you think um, both teams will go all out? I think you've got to go all out, haven't you? Because you know what the draw is, you know what the prize is. It's kind of, obviously you work in PR and I do to an extent. It's PR suicide, isn't it? To to rest five or six players with Liverpool in the quarterfinal and kind of the knowledge that I think whoever, if Forest was to play Liverpool, getting ahead of ourselves, I think they'd give them a good game because you know Klopp would have to rest people because they might be in the Champions League. They'll still be chasing the title. So you'd still play a good side, but you'd end up playing those two or three players who aren't quite Liverpool's first choice. They'd give them a good game. So it's they've got to go full tilt. I think my worry, maybe just around player fitness for one or two, like you say, if Davis... I'm not sure Davis quite. He's played 90 minutes tonight, but he, he'll be he'll be tired. Colback looked tired. Garner does. If Forest had a bigger squad and, like you say, more depth like they had with wings, I think Garner would have had a rest by now. But they just rely on that core group, which is no bad thing. So yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game. I think Forest might just sneak it, and then it's don't get distracted by Liverpool, try and get promoted and hopefully play Liverpool twice next season. That's the dream, certainly. Um, last thing quickly, the accounts are out today. Have you seen them? Well, I just just heard the piece about uh, Maranakis's um, debt write-off, which is like, reaffirming his commitment to the club. And uh, what, what were the standout numbers? Uh, well, they lost 34 million was the operating loss, but the more crucial numbers, they lost 15 million after you adjust that for transfers and um, pre-tax losses. Maranakis wrote off 12 million and turned it into shares. I don't understand the intricacies of how that's allowed, but it is. So that's a good thing. And it shows the commitment of the owner. I think the thing I took away from it, if they don't go up, they've got to sell someone because player sales... There was 14 million player sales, which I think was the Massey cash money. And that brings you down. And they didn't sell Brennan or Joe over the winter. So I think it is promotional bust when it comes to Brennan, even if he would be willing to stay. That's what it said to me. But that's kind of what we knew, isn't it, all along? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke about the cycle of that, haven't we? You can't go for it every year. Even if your owner has got the means to go for it every year, um, if you find yourself, you know, come to mid-table, you, you probably do have an FFP year and, and not not spend too much in January. But I'm not sure we did spend too much in January. You know, we, we were sensible. We, you know, Surrey didn't, didn't break the bank. The players we bought in didn't didn't break the bank. Um, and the, the key piece was was not to sell at that point. I think, look, we all, we all know that, Come what may, at the end of the season, there's going to be interest in our in our players if we're in the championship or the or the Premier League. Um, if we're in if we're in the championship, um, there's definitely going to be a mass exploration of the the loan market and a focus on bringing um, bringing in players that are probably under 26 who've got a got a resale value in the in the future. So if 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 the fear is that um, there's not going to be enough resource to bring in the players to have another go at getting promoted. Then I would temper that by reminding everybody that the five lone players we've got in at this at this moment in time didn't command the huge fee, have settled into the, the the first team in a in an instant, and have made as an extremely competitive championship side. So, um, you know, I'm by no means a forensic accountant, uh, but I don't think that's anything we need to worry about at this point. Yeah, agree. I don't think there was anything to be alarmed about in the accounts, as long as Forrester running the ship sensibly, and it seems like they are certainly. Like you say, they didn't blow a ton of money in January and they don't seem to be paying out ridiculous wages and there are big earners who are out of contract soon, which does leave them another question, of course. And there's players like Taylor and Arta, which they're going to have to come to some sort of arrangement with. They're not going to be here next season, I think. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day and the clock is ticking. Although there's a lot of people still watching us, which I'm grateful for. So um, hopefully everyone's enjoyed that. And thanks for the comments. Temps, thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Uh, appreciate the chat. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's hope we get the right result on Monday night. Yep, we'll be back on Tuesday to discuss uh, that game against Huddersfield and hopefully uh, look back on a win and then look ahead to the next game. Who is that against? I don't know. The next league game we'll look forward to uh, when hopefully Forest continue their march to the Premier League. So thanks to everyone who's watched or listened along and we'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs>